0: Mrs. Kelly was my 6th grade teacher. She had a mean Bob Dylan impression. She taught ancient Egypt as if we were all in a riverboat together, sailing down the Nile. Instead of just explaining what archaeologists do, she helped us dream up our own fictional civilization, create artifacts to go along with it, and bury them in the school playground. Then another class dug them up and made their own guesses about the traditions and rituals of our pretend culture. She sparked our curiosity, embraced our preteen quirks, and made us laugh. Chances are you have a Mrs. Kelly or two in your life as well. A teacher who ignited a passion, instilled confidence, or just really cared. Welcome to the Why Magazine podcast, bringing you ideas, stories, and voices from Brigham Young University. My name is Whitney Archibald. So often the headlines about teachers and schools are negative. Shortages, burnout, overcrowding and underfunding. Yes, these are important problems that deserve our attention and action. But today we're going to celebrate some of the things that are going right in education through the stories of two inspiring teachers who graduated from BYU and went forth to teach. Wesley Morgan, a physics teacher and a finalist for the 2023 National Science Foundation's Presidential Award of Excellence in Mathematics and Science Teaching, and Natalia Benjamin, who was chosen as Minnesota's 2021 Teacher of the Year for her work in multilingual education. When students walk into Mr. Morgan's AP physics class on the first day of school, they probably expect to snooze behind their copy of the syllabus as he drones on about expectations, policies, and routines. Nope, this is Wesley Morgan we're talking about. And this is no sit-down class.
1: I realized if I want to change their view about what physics is, it's going to take daily efforts and just showing them And so we just jump in and we start doing some physics and we make it really easy. That first day, we've just got some remote control cars and we just make some simple graphs of that. In one of my classes, we make uh, these bottles of different liquids and beads. And when you shake it up, it kind of messes with your head about how it balances. (laughs) But I just want to show them like, this is what we're going to be doing every single day. You can handle it. And even still, I had a student, I mean, we're two months into the school year. And I had a student last week who was like, do we do a lab every day? And and I said, yeah, you're here for 20 days now.
0: (laughs) It's all part of his master plan to get students excited about physics and it's working. When he started teaching at Springville High in Springville, Utah, about 50 students were enrolled in AP Physics. Now he's generated enough interest that he teaches both AP Physics 1 and 2 with 100 to 150 students enrolled each year. I opened our conversation by asking Wesley Morgan why he decided to go into teaching in the first place.
1: The decision came when I was a missionary. Um, I served a mission in Paraguay, and about halfway through my mission, I remember volunteering to help teach an English class. And then I realized that I really enjoyed teaching, but I really enjoyed working with other teachers. Uh, so I kind of fought that for a while. I, I had this spiritual impression after that experience that I should go into teaching. But I didn't want to because like a lot of people, I felt like that would be a fun thing to do, but I'm not going to be able to support a family. I want to make more money and, you know, be a little more prestigious than that. And so it took several months until I really decided that that would be a good path for me. And I'm so grateful I did because right when I got back, I took a explorations of teaching class with Dwayne Merrill. Um, He's been over the physics teaching program at BYU for like 20 years now. And everyone who goes through there, I think just has a great experience because he makes teaching science a hands-on experience he doesn't ever just talk and expect you to listen and take notes he makes sure there's something fun something engaging to do every single day and that inspired me to want to do the same thing because i'm not the kind of person who wants to sit and talk to a class and lecture
0: do you remember any particularly memorable lessons or class periods that you had with professor merrill
1: it was a different thing every single day. Like you'd come in and there'd be some newspapers and you're like, what are we going to do with these newspapers? And he'd make you make a tower or there'd be some balloons on a string and you'd have to make the balloon go back and forth. And even if it wasn't like, oh, I can use this exact lesson in my class. Sometimes it was like there's one that I just did with him a couple of weeks ago. We've got this uh, baseball hanging from a string and you're supposed to cut the string and put a bucket where the baseball is going to land. So some of those are ones that I still use in my class but overall it was just the general feeling that I knew when I walked in I wasn't going to fall asleep like I did most of my (laughs) college classes. I just knew that he cared about us, that he planned things, that he had lots of resources for us, and so I think it was that feeling more than anything that he really cared about making physics fun, and I hope to give my students that same feeling.
0: Well, and I have to confess I have never taken a physics class. How do you get your students excited about
1: physics? I think about half the time I tell someone I'm a physics teacher, they either say, oh, that's so hard, or, oh, I could never do physics, like, uh, you must be so smart, and, and it's really not that intimidating, and sometimes when I talk to people, they do say, oh, I remember I had a fun physics teacher, and, and I hope I give that same, you know, experience to my students, yeah. and hopefully we can change people's impressions of how they view science. I would say my favorite thing to talk about in all of my classes is always sound, because that's around us all the time, like, in fact, Half my students have AirPods and able to able to pull those out, but it's it's fun to talk to them about how sound is transmitted, how someone across the world can make music and you know with instruments but then how we can record that digitally how that goes through underground cables and underwater cables to get to their cell phones it's really cool to talk about how sound is made but also the electronic transmission and it blows their mind sometimes to think about how the internet is connected through all these underground cables how much of it happens through the air and just how radio waves work and how those carry sound it's really fun because that's that's relevant like i said they they all have airpods and they all have a smartwatch and a smartphone that they're always playing with all the time, but they've probably never thought about how it works. And so it's yeah. really fun to go through the, the nuts and bolts, at least teach them the basics of, of that because that's their whole life.
0: Yeah, it makes me want to go out and sign up for a physics class and figure out how the world works a little better.
1: <laughs> yeah, you should. There's lots of great YouTube videos out there. I love showing my, my students those. There's, there's definitely resources out there.
0: Awesome. What are some of your goals for a physics program in general at your school?
1: Yeah, I've kind of got two levels of goals based on my two physics classes. So we have AP Physics, and my goal there is to help them be prepared for whatever um, science-related career. With my regular physics classes, um, I recognize that most of them are probably not going to go into science. There are a few, and it's always fun to see the couple in that class who decide that that's something they do want to go into, and some of them choose to take AP Physics after. But for most of them, I just want them to have a basic understanding of how the world works how things move, how electricity works, how we're able to hear and see things. And I just want to want them to see how cool the world is and be able to come up with a, a physical explanation, not just something they memorize, but something they actually understand. So I, I try to think about how my students learn. And I did notice when I first started that my in AP classes uh, were almost all boys. So I've really tried to make sure that the way I teach is accessible to people with lots of different ways of thinking, lots of different interests. If all the examples we use in physics are, you know, weapons and sports and you know things that tend to appeal more to boys, then that might feel like um, if you have other interests, you're out of place. So I really try to use lots of different examples, do lots of different ways of teaching. Sometimes we draw, sometimes we write, sometimes we talk about what we're learning. And so I hope that appeals to everyone, not just you know the difference between boys and girls, but people with lots of different learning abilities and backgrounds. I had a girl last year who, just for fun, I had her for AP Physics One and Two, and just for fun, she built a trebuchet over the summer and, awesome. and she just loved physics. And so it's really exciting to see that even though we have that stereotype that, you know, engineering tends to be more for boys, especially in those college classes, it's been awesome to see that there are um, some girls who are really excited about physics and engineering. And it's been fun to see those who are brave, who are willing to go into that class that might not have as many girls. Um, but then as soon as a few girls start going to the class, then more and more feel comfortable. And it's, it's good to see those numbers grow.
2: And
0: I'm guessing your reputation um, encourages a lot of people to to sign up for your classes once they find out how much fun all the other students are having in there. (laughs) Yeah, I hope so. And that brings up another question. How do you teach students to be more curious?
1: A lot of it is just giving them time to ask questions. Instead of just telling your students, hey, we've got these two blocks and our goal today is to see, you know, what happens when they run into each other. It's really helpful to start off allowing the students to ask questions. And there's a lot of different ways teachers can do that. So I usually just have my students discuss it with each other. Some teachers will have students write their questions on post-it notes or on some sort of online survey. Uh, but it's really good to give them the chance to wonder and see what it is they're thinking about when it comes to collisions or when it comes to light and sound, like see what do they already know so you can build on that, but also what are they interested in. And so as you, you know, see what that feedback is, see what they're interested in, then they'll feel like those questions are valid. And even if we don't get to all of them, hopefully they'll you know be excited enough about it that they want to go find the answers themselves.
0: Oh, that's great. Um, what are some of your goals for the future?
1: So originally when I decided to go into education, I knew I didn't want to be a teacher for my entire career. I really enjoyed teaching. I love it. And I've actually been teaching longer than I expected. I, I originally was planning, I was going to go teach for five years and then see what happens. And then I'm on year seven. Um, but I love teaching I love being in the classroom, I love working with kids, but I also love working with other teachers. I also want to work on some of the larger system-wide problems or challenges that are out there. As much as I love teaching, a lot of the things that I'm dealing with, I just feel like are bigger than my one classroom. And it's fun to help my 150, 200 students each year, but I would like to be helping more students. And And I'm grateful for the time that I've had as a teacher, because I do feel like I understand what it is that teachers are struggling with. Like, I know that the number one thing that teachers need is more time. Every good teacher just wants to spend more time planning and grading and collaborating. And we just need more time. We just don't have a lot of teachers, you know, just have maybe an hour a day to prepare all their lessons. And of course, yeah. they're going to spend more than an hour. They're going to donate their own time, donate their own resources. And so I know i have being on this side. I want to help teachers more. I want to give them more resources, give them more time. Um, I want to help give teachers smaller class sizes as well. But I would really like to find a position wherever that is at a district or state level uh, where I can help advocate for teachers and help improve the system so that the good teachers that are out there can uh, get the support that they need. We love what we're doing. We know how to be good teachers. We know how to make an exciting classroom, but we don't always have uh, the time and resources for it.
0: Man, I I really do appreciate it because we're losing so many great teachers and it's devastating
1: Yeah. And there are good things happening, um, specifically here in Utah. Um, Pretty much at least all the major school districts here on the Wasatch Front have just raised their salaries, which is awesome. And so things are improving. I know a lot of people at my school district and at the state level who are really trying to make resources to help teachers. So things are getting better, um, but we still have a long way to go.
0: With teachers like Wesley Morgan around, that kind of change seems much more possible. Now let's head east to Minnesota to meet Natalia Benjamin. Natalia Benjamin is actually a scientist, too. She graduated from BYU with a degree in molecular biology. But when she and her husband started raising their children bilingually, she decided to also pursue a master's degree in language acquisition and teaching. This was a great fit for Natalia because language acquisition was a huge part of her own education. She grew up in Guatemala and Nicaragua and
2: attended a French immersion school. We had Spanish class once a week and we always took other languages. So I started learning English in middle school and then in high school we could take other languages. So I was able to explore Latin and Greek and Russian um, and just even German we did at some point. And so I just had a, uh, I always had an exposure to languages. And I think that developed I love of of culture and exploration of other languages and just how they work.
0: Like Wesley Morgan, Natalia Benjamin didn't really plan to become a teacher. She
2: started several
0: language immersion programs in her community and even started a Spanish immersion preschool, but eventually she began substituting in language programs at her local high school. She loved it so much that she decided to get her teaching certificate. She taught multilingual education at Century High School in Rochester, Minnesota for seven years before accepting a district position as the director of multilingual learning, supporting teachers and developing language programs. I've lived in Rochester myself, so I know how many different cultures are represented there with refugees from all over the world. I asked Natalia how she accommodated all of those different languages in one classroom.
2: So Rochester has close to 100 different languages. I think in one single classroom, you won't find 100 different languages. <laughs> right. But there's often many different languages. Um, the larger languages in, in our school district are Spanish, Somali, Vietnamese, Khmer, uh, and Arabic. but even beyond those, we have many different Asian languages and many different East African languages and even many uh, indigenous languages from the Americas and other places. So definitely a wide a wide range of, of cultures and people that come in our schools.
0: Yeah. So how did you do that when your students probably had trouble communicating even with each other?
2: Well, and that's really a, a just to foster that that understanding that the common language that we all share is English and we, we work on expressing, you know, thoughts in that language as well. But it's also there's so many tools today to really communicate and just uh, diminish language differences and, and language barriers. Um, what were your goals for
0: these students in your class?
2: Well, I think... Um, one of the main goals for the class in and of itself is just to develop language skills. But beyond that, just being able to, to develop positive multilingual identities. There's a lot of stories that are told like, like you know, social media or through the news and things that aren't always positive. And so to, to try to combat some of the negativity that comes into uh, dominant narratives for them to be able to tell their story and to be able to center students. Identities and voices in the classroom and really switching from here's the mechanics of language to really what are the functions of language? What are the things you want to be able to express? What are the stories you want to tell? Like, what are the stories of our community? And I think it made it a blossoming place where students could let their guard down and really explore their identities, their community and be able to, to even share about the racialized experiences that they have because of the language they speak, the language their parents speak, and their English learning journey
0: that's beautiful. um can you think of specific projects or lessons that um you implemented into your classroom that that kind of helped the students come to this understanding of this idea of heritage?
2: Yeah. one was a uh community interviews and so back to really uplifting positive stories from from people's communities, students had to pick someone that they looked up to in their community or a family member or somebody that had immigrated to the United States and tell their story. So the students had to do a photo voice project um, to do that so we wrote the questions together they had to interview the person and they could do this in any language. For some, it was English. For others, it was the native language of the speaker, and then they would have to transcribe those interviews and then really start pulling some threads, right? Like, what is the story of this person? What's the beginning? What's the middle? What's the end? And then they put that into a um, like a photo video that they shared, and and it was just beautiful to see the the pride that they had in the heritage and the pride that they had in in highlighting people that were important to them. Um, and so through that piece, we can uplift their stories, but also reaffirm their heritage as we're working with language, right? Because they had to read and write and speak and listen and do all those pieces to make their projects successful. So that's one of my favorite activities.
0: Oh, that's great. Oh, I, I love that. What have been some of the most fulfilling things for you personally doing this work?
2: I think it's being able to see students... You know, having those aha moments and just being able to to be happy with their work and what they did. My favorite day of the year is graduation day. You can see just their smiles on their faces. They've they've worked really hard to get there and seeing the, the family just being so excited for that day and celebrating their student. And so that's one of my favorite things. Um, I also would publish the student stories into a book at the end so of the cool. year. And that, that was another thing that was just beautiful for them to open the book and be like, my name's in there and it's in writing and, and just showing students that their stories matter and that they have something to say and that their voice is important enough to to be in print and that everybody gets a copy of the book and their families get a copy of the book and just really be able to um, to celebrate them and what they bring to, to our schools.
0: That's beautiful. What do you see moving forward? Like, do you have other career goals in this field?
2: I, I really just love learning. And so as I continue to do this work and I continue to support teachers and we continue to work together to to really elevate the students' experiences, for me, I think long-term goals is always just being able to learn from other educators and just being able to collaborate across districts and across other people in the United States who are doing similar work and just being able to, to bring just that wealth of Knowledge and genius from educators together, so that we can um, just learn from each other and be able to to center students uh, so that they can have uh, positive learning experiences in schools. Aren't you just so
0: grateful that fantastic teachers like Natalia Benjamin and Wesley Morgan put their time and passion into teaching both students and other teachers? And these are just two of the many passionate BYU graduates who are out teaching in our communities. Here's Wesley Morgan again.
1: I do feel like BYU is a very special place for teachers because I think there's so many people who went through the same path that I did where you spend two, a year and a half or two years serving as a missionary. You love that feeling of teaching and serving people and you want to keep doing that. And some people keep doing that in gospel settings, but a lot of us decide to serve and help people through some other subject. And, but it, it still gives that same great feeling that you know you're helping people, that you, you get to see them grow. I, I know that... I probably wouldn't have become a teacher if it wasn't for BYU because BYU just teaches you not to focus on learning so you can make the most money and, you know, be better than everyone else, but focus on learning so that you can serve other people and, you know, have a fulfilling life through that surface.
0: I hope this episode has brought to mind some of the great teachers who've impacted your own life or the lives of your loved ones. Maybe we should all take a minute this week and let a teacher know how much we love and appreciate them. Thank you for listening to the Y Magazine podcast. This episode was based on two Y Magazine articles, one about Natalia Benjamin from the Winter 2022 issue called A Mile in Their Shoes by Margaret J. Sheffield, and one about Wesley Morgan from the Fall 2023 issue called Resonating Lessons by Rachel Hatch Webb. This episode was produced by me, Whitney Archibald, with executive producer Denya Palmer. Mixing and mastering and original music by Jarrett Davis.